Good evening, friends, and welcome back to The Front Porch. My name is Dennis Rogers, and I'm joined once again by Michael Daniels. How's it going, Mike? How was your weekend? It was great. I got a, well, I guess not weekend, but today I got myself a new car. So. Oh, hey. I'm pretty, pretty, I'm, I'm fairly excited about it. It, it was kind of one of those uh, sad with the old and, and you know, because happy about the new type thing. Okay, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to judge you regardless, but what did you get? Oh, yeah, I'm. I'm definitely going to be judged by the world every time I drive the car. Uh, it's it's another Mustang. Ah, uh, it's as I had said with my other one. I'm sure plenty of times on this show because I'm stupid about this. Is that you know I always loved that car when I was a kid, and uh, always have, and I really still like the new body styles and they're just better. Um, mm-hmm. And my last car was as I've said before, built. I had it custom built and all that stuff. And it's been, I, since it was brand new, I got it for 50, I had it for 15 years. Sydney was only known me having that car. Um, right. So it was, you know, the thing was vacuum sealed to my rear end. It was so perfect. <laughs> right. Um, so it was really difficult you kind of, you know, new yourself. Yeah. yeah I, I mean, I, I, I did a trade in, so I actually don't have it anymore. Right. I mm. gave it to the mm-hmm, dealer. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, that whole, walking away from it and you know it's got my whole decepticon stuff on the side of it and yeah yeah uh, but uh you know i gotta i gotta this just was one of those um i went to the dealer they had a car it's black instead of red okay but it's got all the it's got like all the bells and whistles good mileage great really great price people aren't selling or buying mustangs right now because it's winter okay yeah so it's one of those, you know, kind of buyer's market things. Yeah, that, yeah. Well, I mean, it's a buyer's market in in the fact that, you know, people are wanting to get rid of them and they are putting their prices way down, but they don't have stock. Mm. Right. So if you want a Mustang right now, there's just nothing, a lot of choices. So fortunately for me, the one that was out there was pretty much every one of the choices I could have wanted. Gotcha. Um, and then it got the, got the price down to a really great price. So I went ahead and saw it and drove it on Saturday and... Um, today went in and signed everything and bought it and I'm pretty happy with it. The only downside to it is that I, I got it and I drove straight here and it has all the like syncing and networking and app features in the car that I really want to go play with. But I just ran straight upstairs to get on the show. So mm. <laughs> now it's sitting right below me in the garage and I can't, <laughs> it's kind of like a shiny new toy you get. Right, you know, you right. can't do anything with it. Literally shiny. It, it literally shiny. So anyway, I'm, you know, getting a new car is a big purchase and kind of a change in even if you're not a car person getting a new car is kind of a change in yeah i know for me i um i had the same i had a mitsubishi mirage from 09 Mm -hmm. until oh two years ago something like that and it was it was old and cheap when i got it because i was unemployed at the time and i just made it work right like i don't have a commute i only need a car to make the long drive from home to bloomington or back Mm -hmm. and back Mm -hmm. um and so I drove that until it was barely on the road. Like the, um, I had a tire that wouldn't hold air and the hood didn't stay latched because Andrew had left it open and on a really windy day propped up and it got all bent. Um, but, uh, yeah, I replaced that with a, uh, Hyundai Elantra with a manual transmission and it was just like night and day like now it's a different car i mean yes i was switching from automatic to manual so that was a big change but now i had a car with uh with working air conditioning and my (laughs) my my old car had a broken um driver's side window and i just i just dealt with it i either didn't use the drive-through or i 
knew to pull up enough and open the door a little bit. I just, you know, adapted. Right. <laughs> right. right. Yeah. Um, the, this, the, speaking of the no heat and a, I, my car didn't have any heat and AC. It was the number one thing that said, okay, now it's time to change. Mm. And I get in this one. Not only does it have heat and AC, it's got heated seats and mm-hmm. heated steering wheel. And I'm like, I feel like I'm being pampered all of a sudden, you know, by having yeah, basic yeah. kind of things. Yeah, so so it's 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 good. I I'm I'm happy. Nice. I'm a happy guy, and uh, the the best thing that makes me happy about it. Granted, I, I've got a car payment now, which is the obvious clear downside. Sure. Uh, but I don't have to pay for anything on car repairs or fixes or anything for the next four to five. Yeah, days. I mean so that's what like that's what my dad told me when I was uh, when I was first getting old enough to drive. He's like, if you if you buy older used cars, you don't have a car payment and you know the the old adage of never ever buy a new car somebody you know some people must oh yeah right but you know right. they're suckers like a car loses half exactly. its value in the first three years but sure yeah um he said you know you you pay for it up front so you don't have an ongoing payment but what you do have is over time it might not be the equivalent like you know at that time it was like the early 90s mid 90s he's like a hundred dollars a month um yep. And it's not like $100 worth of stuff goes wrong with your car in a year. It's mm-hmm. it'll be fine for six months, and then you got to get new tires, or you got to get the yeah, brakes redone, right. or whatever, and just, just plan for that kind of stuff. Um, yep. As opposed to, you know, paying, you know, dealing with financing and, and all that exactly. kind of stuff. Well, the, the, I got a couple extra little packages, and I don't any of those things but one was kind of interesting that i didn't know they had but they did i always have gotten since i had a ford mustang i've always gotten my um service work i guess done at ford at the dealers just, just kind of want, sure yeah at the dealers it's just i mean not always did i get my um oil change or something i get that at midas here and there but most of the time i always had everything done there they've got the parts whatever um and uh so they had this kind of package deal that i got uh, a oil change costs $45 about every six months. Sure. And this package they have is that you pay $5, like a subscription service. We're into pop culture uh, subscription <laughs> services. So Ford now has a subscription service okay. where you pay $5 a month. And every six months you can go in and get um, the, the oil changed, tire tires rotated, um, air filter, fuel filter, all those little things they try to get you on for like 10, 15, 20 bucks a piece. Mm-hmm. You get all that replaced every six months. Nice. So it, for $5 a month, it's already only $30 for six months. I'm already saving money sure. by doing it. The trick is obviously you have to go there. They're like, you have to go to our service stations. Mm. So I was like, which is fine because I already did anyway. <laughs> right. Um, all right. So I, this is, that was nice. Is it down? I know where the toyota dealership is in town is it down there that's a, that's that's a little bit further south it's kind of by i don't know if you know where south high school is but yeah um yeah it's it's right across the street oh yeah 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 got it i right. i used to live south of uh country club road so i'm familiar with that area. oh yeah right sure yeah that's uh it's in, in bloomington they we actually have a decent car selection from all around town but uh my my big thing, and, and I, we're going too far on this stupid car topic, but uh, is to not be pressured. I, I like to take my time. It's important that they respect my time and my my thoughts. Right. Um, and a, a couple of places had decent or equivalent kind of cars, 
And as soon as they're like, hey, you should do it now and put a down payment just in case type <laughs> stuff, I'm, I'm like, I'm out. You've just, you know, in my mind, raised the price of the car right. a couple thousand dollars. And I just don't, you know, sure. want to deal with that. Sure. And this and this one was very much a, you know, hey, yeah, here, here's some great prices, some great prices we're going to give you on it, all the breaks, and then you can come back whenever you want, if you want to come back. Well, for me, so. um, I guess still talking about weekends, um, yeah. I spent last week, I mentioned this last week, I've been working on tiling the downstairs shower in my house. Ooh, I saw a picture of that. Yep. Uh, Saturday, I finished the tile proper, and then yesterday, mm-hmm. Sunday, I went over and did the the... They call it bullnose. It's rounded, you know, tile that's rounded on one side. Okay. Um, that It's basically like the edge. Got it, yep. Um, and that got attached to the wall with, with uh, what they call mastic. It's kind of glue instead of mortar. So I saved that, you know, for the next day. So I did that. And now our our list of big projects at the house is down to really, like, four or five things. Um, oh, pretty good. We're getting closer. Still a lot of little stuff. There's, you know, doors and trim and, um, and all of that kind of stuff. But our big things are, we have to stabilize a floor in the living room. We got to install flooring, which I bought flooring. I've mentioned that on the show over the holidays. Mm-hmm. Um, install flooring, texture and paint the first floor walls, do the kitchen counter. And, I think that's it for the big stuff. And then there's, you know, like I said, trim and um, closing up all the electrical fixtures with plates and and all that. So that's coming along. And then yesterday evening, uh, my family who are here and I all went to the movies. I think mom wanted to see Little Women. Oh, right. And uh, my sisters wanted to see that, but... My youngest sister made the really good point. It's, you know, maybe from talking to me or Andrew or mm-hmm. any of us, like, what's which one is a theater movie? Right. Yeah, um, for sure. You, which one you can just watch at home. And, and you know, to her, of course, Little Women was something she could watch at home. And yeah. uh, so we ended up going to see uh, 1917. Oh, cool. Was it good? It was good. Um, I won't spoil it for you. It's... it's and this might tie into our movie challenge this week, but it's it's made in a not quite artistic way. Um, okay. But you've probably picked up on this from our friends talking about it in chat. You know the idea of a long take or a long cut? Yeah, where, where, where they just don't in movie cut where, away. Um, some of this, I think, is artificial, where um, they are splicing two cuts together, but it's done in a seamless way, so you don't notice it. It's like when you Photoshop something together or, you know, like in audio, when you just cut something out and the person listening can't tell. Yeah. That's, it's much that's much harder to do in, in video. But um, if you don't get distracted by that, which was I, – I had a, a little bit of a hard time doing, but it, it has the effect of – Wait, wait. Distracted? You mean like they did it a lot in there or they didn't do it or – almost. The whole movie, I mean, there are clear, like, fades to black. Other yeah. than that, it feels like just a handful of very long takes. Really? Like, the, most of the movies like that, then? Yeah, almost, almost the whole movie. It, it's, it starts out following these two soldiers walking in the trench, if you've seen the um, 
you've seen the trailers, this is set in 1917 in the um, the Great War, World War One. Um, the camera follows behind these two guys walking and talking, and then at like a an intersection of trenches, the camera moves around in front of them and is moving backward, and you don't see any cuts anywhere. It's just one long continuous um, scene. And so if you don't get distracted watching that technical achievement, um, which I went back and forth on, um, it has the effect of really bringing you down with the characters, right? To ground level makes it immersive, I guess, for lack of a better word. Um, But I I really enjoyed it. Good. And the story was pretty good and... yeah. Yeah, not so was, too. Was it, was it better than uh, what's that other one we watched? That was um, was it Michael? No, it was, uh, was it mm-hmm. Night I'm trying to think. It was the World War Two or World War One movie that they had shot with different times and all came together at the end. Oh, of one do time. you mean Dunkirk? Yeah, was it was it better than Dunkirk? I enjoyed it more than Dunkirk, but I I watched Dunkirk at home and I was sort of geared up to not like it because I had gotten some, I'd heard or read some negative feedback from it. It's, you know, it does a, a Nolan-esque kind of thing with the time, um, yeah. which is not, it's not really confusing. It's not like Memento, um, but there are basically three stories that are happening over different periods of time, you know. In different time dilation types. Yeah, that spliced together. In the movie. I mean, like we talked about The Witcher last week. With The Witcher, right, um, yeah. And all of that stuff w- was confusing to me. Um, this this movie, because it's, you know, just following this couple guys, you know, on this whole journey, and there's no cuts of any kind, I had no opportunity to be confused, right? I'm right here in the action. I can see and experience everything the main character is seeing and experiencing. Um, and I found that more emotionally engaging. It was very, um, it was very tense. Like I kept waiting for jump scares and things like in in horror movies, and it didn't really have that. But you know, it's it's a. I mean, you could tell from the trailer that it's a very intense story. Yeah, I mean, it's a World War what one or two World, World War One, and it's you know life and death. Yeah, and I mean that's all World War One movies are, you know, tense. <laughs> no matter what they are. Right, right. It's right. it's war. It's war. I've been. I mean, uh, I, that's one that yeah. I want to watch it a lot because, if not for exact same reason you just said, that it's um, that it's a theater one. It's one that you should watch in a theater. Yeah, absolutely. You no, know? and, and and because watching it at home, you probably could, but you just won't quite appreciate everything that needs to be in there, right? Right. Uh, so yeah, I I think I'd love to get to it. It's it's obviously timing's an issue, but mm-hmm. I, I would. That's one that I would. If I'm going to pick to go watch at the theater, that's one that I should really kind of look at. Right. Um, yeah. So, the, but the, but the, I'll tell you, can I ask one question though? That the story or the trailer made it look like it was Saving Private Ryan, where they're going, you know, your brother's, you know, out there, Jimmy, you got to go save him and bring him back. Is that what this is basically the same thing? No. No. Okay. That's what the trailer kind of made it look like. You know, you've got a brother alive. You got to go. Yeah. I don't know. Well, in the first five minutes, they establish um, one of the main two characters' brother is with another division across, you know, 
across no man's land and through a town and they want to get orders to his brother's commanding officer his colonel yeah and so that's their mission okay and this is just them trying to do that yeah because they're the the headquarters the general's headquarters where they are have they've seen the germans have withdrawn from their trenches yeah. and so the other colonel thinks that um they have him on the run that's uh benedict cumberbatch's character and so he's yeah. gonna push with a big attack like the next morning and so they have no time to get messages any other way the germans cut all their phone lines as they were retreating or withdrawing but the general has aerial photography showing that they haven't retreated as far as it seems and they just have a new entrenched position and the colonel and his two divisions are going into a trap a slaughter and his brother and like 1600 men are all going to get decimated wow gotta 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 save his brother type thing so sort of yeah sort of yeah Okay, well, I got that's one that I got to watch. It's funny how it's interesting how period pieces who are when you're just trying to when you write a movie or a story in that's set in a time that's that's really a lot of kind of things in the environment is going on, how you don't really have to have a big story per se. Like there's a lot of things with World War Two and you get the whole beginning, middle and end type thing. Mm. But sometimes just ha- Black Hawk Down comes to mind here where, you know, it's basically just a helicopter crashes in a place and then the story is just them surviving and getting through the night. Well, it's a little bit, um, that reminds me a little bit of last week we talked about Lord of the Rings. Lord of the Rings, right. Like the 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 actual details of what happened are not that involved, not that complicated because the, the full emotional, you know, experience of it is seeing the world brought to life and seeing these different, places and there there there's all this history this weight of history i've been um i've been watching a lot of videos by a guy named matt colville mm-hmm. have you ever heard of i have not no. his stuff he does he has a whole series of uh D dming videos okay and i'm not surprised you haven't heard because obviously you started dming before the internet existed and so right. resources way to just call my age out there new, newer newer <laughs> newer resources for dms are probably not on your right, radar so. anywhere but um he's probably somewhere around our age and he has yeah. this whole this whole series of videos and he, so he talks about lord of the rings he talks about the roman empire and different stuff in storytelling and world building um and and all that kind of stuff that that notion tolkien had of you know he had just like the, um he had seen world war Two, but to him world war Two was like a shadow of world war one and it influences his world building where everything that you see is just a pale imitation of what came before you know yeah, I bet, aragorn I bet, I bet is the you. last of the dunedain um You're right the the elves are are in decline and leaving middle earth um you see that sometimes in some in some kinds of speculative fiction though on the on you know in addition there's also an entire genre of stuff that's much more like 
progressive like yeah this there was stuff that came before but it was crappy and now we're yeah we're moving on into to better things right i bet you tolkien would have made a terrible dm <laughs> T- terrible well i mean I, w- I was just thinking as you were saying that like you know creating the world and stuff and and how gms can do that kind of a thing or dms and and i i w- was thinking well i don't do a good job of that i don't think i do a good enough job of like describing what the inn is or mm. what the town kind of flavor of it is and uh, namely because when you're playing like D D, you you get I was thinking when I was young, like in high school, I would make up maps of the town and and write a history of where it's from and the surrounding areas and the different stuff. It kind of ecolo- it, I really found some joy in doing that stuff and like the early get, the early Gary Gygax stuff. Yeah, and you get into the table and they'd be like, "Okay, yeah, we uh, blow up this town and then move on to the next." Mm. You're like, you know, and they do it within five minutes, and they're like, "Yeah, we we want to go somewhere else." And you're like, "Oh my god, I just spent like three weeks, <laughs> and and I love it so much." And I guys, guys, I'm like, "Yeah, we we don't really care. This is a dumb dumb inn. Let's you know because we're you know 16 year olds and we don't really care. And let's hit on the sure. winch and then go." And you're sure. like, "Oh man," so I bet you Tolkien would just like flip the table and you know. I- I'm done with this place. I can't imagine the challenge of of GMing for some players who don't want to take your setting seriously and just want to hit on the ledge. <laughs> you couldn't imagine I that. I can't imagine you? what that's like. <laughs> oh, uh, poor Dennis. Yeah, his his video that I found first coming into his channel is like 16 or 17 in his running the game series. One of the things I appreciate the most about him is even though he's obviously very good and very um, uh talented and experienced at what he does Mm -hmm. his whole goal is to teach and train and demonstrate to people that it's not hard and that you should try it and that you can do it and you're gonna suck at first and you'll get better at it um right where when i when i watch something like matt mercer and critical role i'm like there's no way like that that me or anyone i know is ever going to be a tenth of this level and so why am I even right. bothering? Like, it, I find it discouraging. Right. Oh, yeah, sure. I can agree with that. Um, yeah. But anyway, the video that I came to his channel from, he calls uh, The Sandbox versus The Railroad. And okay. I've, I've probably told you about it before, but he sets it up using the two uh, Tolkien stories as as a, you know, metaphor. Okay. Um, he And so he, he crafts this fictitious narrative of... Um, uh, a guy and his friends running D and D and he has some stuff prepared, but the players have other ideas and he adapts. And it's the, it's the story of the Hobbit. They're like, oh, okay. you know, one guy says, I want to be a dwarf. And he's like, Oh, we should all roll dwarves. And then when they get to the actual play, one of the guys rolled a Hobbit cause he thought it was cool. And they're like, <laughs> okay, well, I guess you can, if you roll a thief, we're going to need a thief. And so we'll do that. And then they go on and, you know, the one guy wants to be um, the the heir of the king, and they take him down this thing. And when you know he he the, the, one of their first encounters, they have these trolls, and the trolls capture them all because they're too high a level. And so the GM the DM brings the wizard in to save them, and it all makes a cool story. But a lot of it, the DM thinks of as a failure. Right, he's like, "Oh, I shouldn't have thrown these trolls at him. They were too high level, and I had to save them with the wizard. That's lame." <laughs> and so, like, some number of years later, the DM's younger brother wants him to run a game for him and his friends. 
And so okay. and so he said, you know, the DM thinks, oh, I can use he, they want, you know, they heard they've heard the stories of this first campaign. I can I can fix all of my mistakes from that one. And then what he does is the Lord of the Rings. You know, one of the players wants to be the the heir of the king, you know, to of of Gondor. And then the other player he says he says, I want to be the king too, the heir of the king. <laughs> like you can't both be the heir of the king and they're like, Well what if you're the heir of the they don't call him steward, they call him something else. Um and they're like, Okay, that'll work and then this and this and he, the GM the DM keeps trying to herd them onto this path they keep wanting to wander off (laughs) and and so eventually like the the other sean character gets frustrated so the dm kills him off and then you know the little brother is playing frodo of course so he you know they end up splitting the party and doing two sessions and eventually everybody quits because nobody's having any fun (laughs) right um but it's a you know of course it's a little you know whatever to to use that that whole story as as a metaphor for those two different uh, dming mistakes it's it's it was engaging to me in the way that he the way that he talks the way he explains all these concepts and so i've been watching and and listening to a lot of that now that we're in a we're in a break on our um klingons and dragons play sessions and our buddy fox is running uh D &D for us i i don't have you know, I have a fair amount of experience now running Star Trek, but I have very little experience with, um, quote unquote, actual or any kind of because Pathfinder is just a variant of D and D. Yeah, right. You know, but that's I played Pathfinder like seven or eight years ago. Um, yeah, and we're we're playing our our second our second D and D one this week. I think, yeah, right? this week we're finally getting and the the biggest challenge of D and D is the freaking scheduling. <laughs> it's how it was with Star Trek as well. So yeah, yeah, yeah. The uh, the no, no fear Klingons and dragons people. It will not interrupt our our Star Trek uh, show. Um, it, we got plenty of time, right? Still. Yeah, the I think the play the play session I'm editing now is from like back in March or something. So. Yeah, we we're, we're we're still we got plenty of time. We got a buffer. And by the time we run out, we'll we'll be back. We'll be back ready, playing, ready to go playing Star Trek uh, again. So the what uh what else have we been watching? I said I watched the Joker finally. Oh yeah, get, how did you to see that? That doesn't seem like your kind of thing. Well, yeah, <laughs> I mean, I I can't remember if I, on this show I've been poo pooing it or just in general, but I mean, it's a movie uh, about a villain. Like, does he go on? Well, a, does he go I, on I a villain's mind. journey? Yeah, yeah, right. I, I don't mind those two terribly bad. I, I, it might. The problem was that I got too much into the not too much, but I got I list I read stuff. That was the problem. Mm. And you should never read things. And, no, and, no good ever comes of reading. Exactly. So I, I had read that um, the director was pretty open, and the the actor Joaquin Phoenix with the fact that it's a. It, they had a script and they have a thing, they have a story, and then they're like, "Okay, let, let's make it uh, the Joker, so that we can get superhero money." Hmm. And and I was like, "Well, that sucks," and that really just stuck with me forever because you know I like my superhero things, sure. and I actually think that superhero things can ha- have great. They have great stories and good you know backgrounds and stuff, and you can do that. You don't have to you know do it. And this Joker movie, moving on to that, is it's a good movie on its own. It's got it deals with mental 
you know, mental disability type mental stuff, health, I guess. Yeah. Mental health. That's it. Not disabilities. Mental health. And, um, he, and the society and the, and, the, and how people are, you know, he writes one thing. What's he write? Um, the hardest part about, uh, being mentally or having a mental condition is people expecting you to, to act like you don't, you know, and right. he, he has these things and he goes through this stuff and Joaquin Phoenix does a great job. And the, the writing is great. The acting is great. Everything about the movie is great. It really is. And if it just came out and didn't have Joker attached to it, it, it would be fine. It would be a good movie. And it, mm. except for all the awards nominated now, and it rightfully should be, but it just felt dirty that they were, you know, going at it because of a, a, a Joker, that superhero thing, which I don't know. It's, it's half a dozen one because the, yeah, um, it, it reminds me you know, of, um, when we watched, uh, seven samurai and they yeah. said, you know, Kurosawa said he had no interest in making a samurai movie, but somebody came to him with some version of this story. And he was like, I would make that into a movie. Um, and it's not, even though it's a movie about samurai, it's not a samurai movie in the way that yeah. samurai and kung fu movies were being made at the time. So I can sort of see that it's a it's a high risk, high reward kind of thing, right? Because you make um, you make a a comic book movie that's not like all the other comic book movies, and it might be amazing or it might be sure. terrible. Yeah, right. I, like I, it's arguable that like Nolan's Batman was something similar to that. It's like you know it wasn't comic booky. It didn't put a lot of stuff in it. Yeah, yeah like it did. Ba- have comic Batman had gotten it. more and more goofy from right. over the course of its four movies. Yeah, um, though n- not as goofy as uh, as Adam West, but um, exactly. You know, but still it was it Batman. Was Robin was goofy. was so goofy that they came back and said, "Okay, we gotta." We got to change this up. We got to shake this up, right? And 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 this, and like like I say, if I hadn't read about it, if it had been just you know the guy had said, let's I find the Joker interesting and his past and how he how can a man get to this point to be this way and then explored that with the the lens of mental health, mm. that would be great. Instead of like I have this thing about mental health that I want to talk about or write a movie about. And then I'll put the trappings of the word Joker. I'll make it a clown. And then mm. I'll, you know, like, yeah. you take all those things that out of it, you have a fine movie. And that's what he started with. Sure. You know, so that that just felt like a backwards thing. Okay, so that's that's it. Um, and, but the movie, yeah, I, I, I dug it from a perspective of, you know, mental health. And it, it mm-hmm. had some, he, he does, he starts off with problems. Right. right. It's not like he just evolves into this type thing. He <laughs> he has him his whole life. Yeah. And and things just kind of spiral down because um circumstances in the world and and what you're seeing is like when his transformation goes from one point to the next, right? You know, you know gotcha. you know that he's he's this guy has been struggling and kind of spiraling for probably his entire life. And he mm-hmm. say, he makes certain points of that. He's like, my life has never been good. I have never been happy. This isn't something new guys. Right. It's just, it's what we're seeing in this movie is just that point where he transitions from, okay, now you're just, the you know, need to be put into a, a jail type, the thing. inciting incident. Yeah. Yeah. So, and, and that was, that was good. And I, and I will say when it was over, I did feel that, and I'm, 
this is a compliment to it after the big crap I just gave it, um, <laughs> that it, this could kind of fit into the Nolan kind of universe. Like, mm. um, if I watched The Dark Knight, which is the one with um, uh, the Joker played by Heath Ledger. Right. If I watched that um, right after this, I could be enhanced. That experience could be enhanced. I see. I see. Yeah, you, you could see that because I think the, the Heath Ledger Joker is pretty... I mean, he's fantastic, right? But he's he's clearly not stable, and he no. he doesn't have a reasons for doing anything. So this this and same with this kind of Joker. When he does it, he just everything just falls apart, and there's like there should be no reason to do anything, and he is completely happy with how crazy everything is. Right, and and how everybody is now finally seeing that everything is crazy, and if you put that into the nolan joker you could say oh maybe this is why he thinks the bats right you know this and why he does the, these things with uh, bombing stuff because he it's just pure chaos so that's that's that and, the, and the, the movie does end with you know he's i guess the joker but it's not it's like the beginning of sure it definitely doesn't put it on a cliffhanger there's not like feeling like oh i need to watch more of this but you could you could just turn on the, the nolan's dark knight and get all your stuff so well speaking of um mm-hmm. comic book stories outside of the of the of the run of the mill i have been uh consuming various forms of uh watchmen oh yeah okay uh on the on the recommendations of our buddy fox who yeah Finished. He really likes the, 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 the TV series. Yeah, so the, the series finished, and I think he called it a masterpiece. Um, yeah, that's bold statements. That's bold statements. Um, I saw the movie years and years ago. Um, mm-hmm. I think I figured out why I was confusing it with Sin City. I don't know if I said that on the show. but Oh, I, um, I can see that. I can see that. Uh, the, the styles are a little bit similar, and they both have mm-hmm. um, Carla Gugino in them oh i didn't realize that she's she plays the the elder um silk specter yeah movie i i can i can see that with styles and kind of subject matter i think they came out around the same time but anyway um i'd seen that not really knowing anything about the story and one of the podcasts that i listened to uh reconcilable differences merlin and john are both um old school comic readers they're I think a little bit older than we are. They might be uh, close to 50. And um, they both liked it. And they have a segment on their show they do sometimes that's, you know, full of spoilers. And so they said, um, if you if you if you're not familiar with the world at all, you should read the comics. Or if you don't want if you don't have access to them or you don't have the time to read the comics you can watch the movie but then google uh, the one guy is a programmer so he said run a diff but um (laughs) google what they changed about the ending okay between the comics and the movie and so i started by reading the comics because they're on comiXology and i'm still paying for that and i got about three chapters issues whatever it's in one you know omnibus um and i got to a certain point in that and i was like you know what i'm gonna i'm gonna try i'm gonna try the movie like the 
the comic is is readable, but it's yeah, it's from the eighties. Like the, oh, it's the the art style of it is not great, in my yeah. opinion. Um, I agree. Yeah. The the women are all kind of like mannish and the colors are very like pr- not primary colors dot but like, matrix type stuff yeah not but the, like big sections of the background will be like two or three colors and it's all like 80s kind of yeah. kind of color palettes and i'm like yeah i don't need to read this whole thing i'm gonna watch the and, movie. and several of it like the some of the because of the printing the way it was it's like even the lines are blobby they're not quite sharp and well, and even if even if you can get past all of that, there was so much information that I a lot of times wasn't even looking at the art because there was so much text on the page. So much text. Yeah, it's um, more like a book with some stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And so I got through about two or three of those, and then I started the movie. Um, the movie, I guess, got a lot of criticism because up until the ending, at least, and I didn't, like I said, I didn't read all of the comics, but at least for as much of the comics as I did read... The movie was like scene for scene, the comics brought to life, which I can see people appreciating and not appreciating, right? Yeah. Um, There are aspects of that where you can't just take a line of dialogue straight out of a comic book and have a real living person deliver it. It's not going to work that that same way. But um, I watched that movie, saw the ending, and then went and read how the ending was different from the comics. And actually liked yeah. the movie ending better. It seemed less ridiculous. Yeah. Um, and then started watching the series because uh, I still have HBO um, Go or yeah. Now or whichever one you get. One of those. Th- through Amazon. Um, so I, I remembered in one of our conversations that I'm still paying for that. And I'm like, I should <laughs> probably use that. So I went back and finished um, season one of True Detective, which was okay. Wow. But confusing because it had been months since i stopped um and i'm like what is going on i watched the recap and that (laughs) helped but not not quite enough and so now i am six episodes into the nine episodes of watchmen wow and it's interesting it's it you know unlike unlike the the um zack snyder movie it's not the same story it's in present day but all of the events of the comics are the same with the one exception that the president is not Nixon anymore. It's Robert Redford, which seems like a weird pick to me. I don't know if that's going to become significant, but it's the same sort of deal where he becomes president and then stays president for much longer than he's supposed to be. Then he's supposed to, you know, it's the same sort of in a crisis. They, they repeal the term limit and, he yeah. just he just serves as president forever. But the other the other elements of the story, like the U.S. winning uh, Vietnam and and that are are the same. It's just present day. Well, the the Watchmen book and movie, which I'm familiar with, uh, I don't want to spoil was, the ending of any of that. If we're no no yeah, was so. always very heavy handed. Sure. I mean, it was just a lot of social political heavy-handedness and and it was like you said texts upon text of the page sure. of this very much okay i get it type thing but it's different when you're if you're reading a book that would pro- you know what it probably is a good feeling between a book and a comic book mm-hmm. and this felt like it should have been a book mm-hmm. right 
and and you didn't need this comic book. But then it's lined with. I mean, this is clearly only my opinion because some people see it as you know the holy grail of comic books. <laughs> sure. Well, um, it's like we talked about earlier with things being subversive. Yeah. So I I don't want to go too much into it, but anyway, the idea was it's very very heavy handed type stuff. Um, and pr- to the point, it was almost preachy ish. Sure. Um, and the, you know, they made a movie for it. It only did okay. And people who loved it were obviously critics who, whatever. And um, the, so this series that came out, I don't have anything to make me motivated to watch it because if it's more of that same type thing. You know, we're, we're scene for scene. There's just tons of exposition and talking with people who are dressed up in costumes that are really bad spandex <laughs> and and then and then telling me sociopolitical stuff. Uh, so I don't know if that's the way it is. Our friend, our buddy Fox says it's not. Um, but people don't seem to want to uh, commit to, you know, what the story really is about. Well, it's hard it's hard to describe because talking about the 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 setup, the introduction of the series sort of depends on the the conclusion of the book of the comic. Okay. Um, so I can't I can't describe how the show starts without spoiling how the comic ends. Okay. Right. Um, if that if that makes any sense. Um, and I've also not finished it, so I don't know what the what the conclusion is going to be. It it do, it is thematically um, similar in the sense of like, uh, you know, you get that the, the, this comic I think was perfect for Zack Snyder to adapt because it's it's very like down on humanity, right? Yeah, like, right. That, that's that's, that's Rorschach's whole right. whole deal. Maybe, um, maybe that maybe that's it too. I mean, it's I'm obviously been out there, spoken that you know pessimism is not my f- cup of tea, and it always sure. it, it tends to stick with me the wrong way and push me to the anger not anger mode, but the frustration mm-hmm. anxiety mode. So when I have a lot of pessimis- pessimism, it, it turns me off, um, and, and that's that's probably something for me to deal with. And that that it was that was that you're right. Instead of saying heavy, I should have said it's very pessimistic. And, you know, dark and depressed kind of type feeling to it. And, you know, everything is bad type stuff. Is that kind of how the, the, the show is? That everything's bad and we're living in a terrible world type thing? I mean, a little bit. Um, it's, it's sort of um, given a given a focus at least in what i've seen like i said i haven't finished yeah. the whole thing yeah right um the scope of the story is small in a way that the comic sort of is but the majority of the show is set in tulsa oklahoma okay. um and is at least in some way related to a an event um a real historical event called the 1921 massacre I think it has a different name. Um, but there was a separate section of town inhabited by predominantly African-Americans who were prosperous. And in 1921, I don't know, and it, I just very quickly Googled it when it came up in the, in the show, um, there, you know, the whole area was invaded and burned and 
people beaten and murdered and carried away yeah. and lynched and all that you know racially motivated violence um and so the story there's there's some connection to larger events um particularly as it relates to the ending of the comic series but yeah the comics are set in the 80s and those events also happen in the 80s it's related to the cold war and so this world that the show is set in is 2019 in a world in the world that resulted from those events and those decisions um so there's there's some of that in the world building but the actual story is smaller it's more of a well it's it has a little bit of procedural detective elements but so did the comic Um, it did it totally did it's just a different a different story with a different protagonist does it have uh, long uh, interlude intermissions where they talk about a sailor on a ship and an ocean and an island um not that i've seen okay um i did i did just watch an episode that was all flashback but um okay you know the witcher did that too that's just the comic book had half like it would just in the middle of a pain start talking about a whole different story and it never has anything to do with the main story and it's its own story it's like two comic books in one and it never has anything to do with anything and so people were like oh yeah if you read the books as long as we talk about not the sailor thing (laughs) which is funny that the watchman is known for half of its its book yeah i don't i don't think i got to a sailor oh i know what you're talking about there's a wrecked guy or something there's an episode of the comic where there's a guy hanging out near a newsstand who's reading a comic yeah and those panels are interspersed with the actual story i I skipped over those yes like i started out reading them and then i was like i cannot follow this story and this story reading at the same time that's Um, exactly that's exactly right yeah this this thing is like i got halfway through the watchman like the big bound edition book and i was and i decided i this is never coming together i'm skipping this and if it does come together i'm gonna be like okay now i'll go back and read them back and read it but it didn't it never needed and then i go back and read like online stuff like no it has nothing to do with any of it I mean, mm. some people who are deep into maybe possibilities of interconnected, you know, mental stuff. You're like, okay, <laughs> if you really are that way. But it, it's, it's again, one of my critiques on The Watchmen is that it's supposed to be this masterpiece of stuff, yet only if you throw out half of it, you know. Mm. You're like, okay, well, anyway. I could, so I could see that. You'll have to tell me what you think of at the end here and if it's, you know, ends up being yeah, a, a worthwhile draw. I'll have finished it probably before next week's show and definitely before – I come down uh, in a week and a half. Man, speaking of, of things that I have to, to finish watching, I've, I've watched all of, there's eight Lost in Spaces, and I've watched a season two, and I've watched seven, and I'm, but it's one of those, I can't just put it on at the end of the night, I need to like watch the mm. last one. Yeah, yeah. So, it's it's pretty, it's it's good. I know you've watched the first season, we we talked about it on the show. Right. Um, the, the first season was a lot about the family coming together and finding out about them, and they were kind of. Mm-hmm. different parts and disparate people and uniting type thing, which is a kind of an interesting family, you know, it's family dynamic. Sure. This one, this season is all about the Robinsons have gone through all that and they are a solid unit and they mm. work well together. And now they're with other people and, you know, other people are doing their thing, but the Robinsons are the Robinsons and they have their own way of doing things and they, you know, save the day. They're like the superhero group. Sure. 
know what I mean? Which which is which is good because you you spend an entire season with you know kind of their backstory of each character and why that you don't want to have to go back into okay Penny's the teenager and mm-hmm. you know you, you don't want to do that. This Penny got over that last semester and you know uh, Will got over his little whiny stuff and now he's this. Right. So it's nice to have a season of like they're not there. They've got over their issues and now they're the full realized characters. Um, which is pretty great. Um, so I, I'm enjoying that. It's it's interesting because clearly none of the Robinsons can die. They can put things in peril, <laughs> but you know they're never going to die. Yeah, yeah, right. Um, which is which is fine. So in that regard, it feels very much like a Star Trek th- type thing. Jordy is never going to die. Right, right. You, you know this is not going to be really in peril. Granted, you did have the you know Tasha thing, but you know that was a surprise. Sure. Um, but for, you're That's never going like, to have that. You know? Like once in seven seasons of a show, you can you can kill somebody off. Like Dax eventually, or Jadzia eventually, yeah. uh, gets she regenerates. Right. To but, borrow but, so, so this is kind of like that, where you, it's not like there's that suspense is in it for that. Granted, the first season actually did have a couple of those moments because it was the first season and you didn't know what they're going to do. Well, the first episode, especially, I remember that being one of my chief uh, issues with the show was that the the pilot set up this incredible tension of like they could die at any moment and then every episode after that sort of went more into establishing their uh their plot armor and that yeah. sort of sort of irritated me but you know yeah they they, they had a lot, it's not, they had it's a lot. not that kind of show it's not black so they had a lot of plot armor in that, in that so. first one that was you know it, it, overwhelming i guess i uh speaking of star trek in Thinking about moving forward with Klingons and Dragons and whatever, I've been consuming a, a little more Star Trek media. I'm still move, working my way through Deep Space Nine when I'm in the mood for it. Mm-hmm. I went back and watched uh, a couple episodes of the last season of Enterprise, yep. which I, I sort of regretted. There's an episode with Orion females, which is just kind of goofy. And then um, that was a that was a mistap because the episode right after that is when they do the mirror universe stuff when they find yeah. the constitution class defiant yeah um and it made me mad all over again that they set up this i mean they go into the universe the mirror universe with no prelude right they're just <laughs> yeah. like well they start with Zephram cochran right and and the they got the guy from the movie yeah uh, and they do that scene except you know they're racists and they they're Terran Empire and so they shoot the Vulcans instead of, uh, you know, befriending them, and then yeah. the Terran Empire moves forward from there. But then they do these two episodes, this two part episode, with all of that, and then and then nothing. Then there's like a couple more episodes and the show's over. Like <laughs> right. like what? You're not gonna you're not gonna elaborate. Like this was a really compelling story in this crappy fourth season of this show. But, right. uh, but nope. yeah, I did that and, and I picked up a, with one of my audible credits, I picked up a, um, Star Trek audiobook that had really good reviews. It's a the first in a three part series. Um, it seems to be mostly about, um, a lot of Klingons, particularly the house of Martok, I want to say. That, that sounds familiar. Okay. Um, he is the guy who fought. Kirk on the Genesis planet. Okay, yeah, all right. So it's it's his family and some of his 
relations and then it's connected in the in the future with um Worf and Picard and Riker and they're on the Enterprise E all post um insurrection okay uh that's the that's the movie where the planet of people are living in the briar patch mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um and so you you learn after a little while in the book that um there's a group of klingons that are discommendated right they're they're yep. not they're not criminal enough to be sent to Ruripenthe, but they're you know shunned from the empire from the true klingons yeah uh, for several generate like that shame lasts for several generations yeah and so they have they've congregated and gathered on a planet in the briar patch and because nobody goes into the briar patch because it's deadly and sensors can't scan through like they've been hiding out in there for the hundred years plus in between those two events um and so it's it's pretty interesting i've been listening to it while i was while i was working over at the house I did, I've I've been doing working my way through um, Brent Weeks. He's one of my favorite authors. He does right. uh, that stuff. His Lightbringer books, and I'm in, uh, a little bit over halfway through of book two, and, and I'm really enjoying the whole series. But it's the same thing when I had with the Name of the Wind. Like there's a period where I, I won't say the main. There's several main characters, but one of the main characters who's like 15 has to go to school, mm-hmm. and they send him away to school. And there's several chapters where he's going to school, and I immediately like. I, I have that side eye as I'm re- listening to the to the audiobook. Like, all right, I do not want to hear more about going to school with magic stuff. I just <laughs> don't want to hear it. Right? It's it's this. Like I said, it's the I got my Harry Potter and then I did it with Name of the Wind, which seemed to take like most of the entire book. And this one is, if it doesn't stop it, I'm going to start getting. You know, it's like I can feel my appreciation for it plummeting the more it goes. You know, mm. into which is which is stupid because. You know, magic schools is a thing that topic that's been around for in books forever and ever. And I, it's just I read a series. I'm not going to remember the name of it off the top of my head. I think it's three parts. Um, but the the whole first book is the protagonist, like, I don't know, being orphaned and then getting accepted in the school. And at some point he has to go on a hunt or something like that. Yeah. I'm not selling this well because the mm-hmm. the, the first book I really enjoyed. It was really engaging really interesting and then the second and third books like the character there's a female character i don't remember if she was at the school because i feel like the school was all boys so she might have been like in the town or something like her story goes one way his story goes another way and then he has a friend whose story goes and it becomes you know the two towers sort of thing where there are all these different stories but it's Unlike Lord of the Rings, where the story, you know, stays small, the world is big, but the story is small, these stories get big, and you're like, oh, there's this nation, and they're vying for control of this province with this nation over here, and I'm like, okay, this is not, I can't, I can't keep all of this straight. This is yeah. not entertaining the way that the first book was. Yeah, and, and I'm and, and I'm definitely not at a point here where this book is not entertaining. It still is, and the characters are mm. great interacting with the things, because it does... You just, I like that you mentioned that Lord of the Rings thing, the two towers where they split up because this one also has that kind of thing where the kind of the main characters went their different ways doing their different things. And, right. and that's the part that still keeps me going because anytime they come back to the kid in the school and I'm like, Ugh, right. And then, and then you go, <laughs> now maybe we can switch over to this other thing. Um, but 
I am still enjoying the book, but it it needs to do some changing of pace here pretty soon because, you know, I I need things to happen, you know, because Mm. I don't want to go back to like, okay, now we're exploring school time stuff, you know, and and that's just, again, I don't know what that is with me. It's, it's gotta be my 12 years of Harry Potter type thing that, yeah, I, I skipped on all of that Harry Potter stuff because of reasons but no, um, no. i mean so it's I, just i don't have that that level of aversion i am annoyed by other things but um, i mean i just i guess i just got like you know there's eight movies or something in, and i'll read all the books yeah, is that yeah. you've you've done i've done pretty much everything that can be done i mean there's not everything but but you know you just kind of be feel exhausted at these three at least three main characters who are totally different. So you get all the things from all the people and all the experiences of kids. <laughs> yeah. Like, I get it, you know, and I don't, and every time you put a new one in, in high school, like, okay, he's going to deal with bullies. Okay. He's going to deal with, you know, the te- a bad teacher. He's going to, and, and every book does the same thing in a different way. And it's just, ugh. so anyway, I, I guess that's a long way to say that I'm, I'm going through this book and I'm hoping that we move right along past that, you know, and right. I'd, I'd love a time skip here where, where we just, you know, move forward into interesting, more interesting things. Sure. Uh, so anyway, uh, you have been playing video games at all? Uh, a little bit. Um, after watching the Netflix original The Witcher series, um, mm-hmm. I went on Steam and I bought Thronebreaker, their RPG card sort of game, and mm-hmm. uh, Witcher 3, The Wild Hunt. Um, I played Thronebreaker once the uh, week before last, and I fired up Witcher three probably three or four times in the last week and a half. Um, it has a not really a problem, but it has a thing in the beginning which is not unusual in single player RPGs like this, where there's a lot of lore, there's a lot of cutscenes. Oh yeah, um, yeah. And I, I think I, when I go back and play it again, I think I need to watch all those darn cutscenes. Right, like I you can skip that. through, you can skip through stuff. But you know, I'm at the point, especially after watching the show, where I'm like, I don't want to skip stuff. If I just want to grind out quests, I'll go play WoW. Um, yeah, right, right. You know, and so I'm watching the characters and the voice acting. Like every quest you pick up has not necessarily a cutscene, but it goes into a dialogue scene with mm-hmm. um you know the the npc that you're talking to um right and that's fine i like that but because i'm playing on my computer and i don't know whatever uh after about an hour i get tired of that and sure, i'm like that, i'm yeah. like uh, i don't know so i'm still playing freaking factorio but um <laughs> you know <laughs> say, say, I'll, say my, I'll go back I, to that but I, it does it has helped me to know at least some of the the names and and actors in um in the world from oh, the yeah, show right, right. to see them, you know, name dropped in the game fairly early on. You're, you know, you're in a sort of dream sequence and you're Geralt and, um, and Siri and, uh, Yennefer are all in the same place. And then you're just, you know, in, when he wakes up, it's just Geralt and another witcher and they're doing the thing. They're trying to catch up with Yennefer. And I'm like, okay, well, I know at least to a certain extent exactly who Yennefer is. And right. then, and I also oh, yeah, know who Siri makes... is. And then you get to right. a, a a nation, and it's being occupied by Nilfgaard. And I'm like, okay, I know who Nilfgaard are, and uh, that Man. that helped. Man, I I need to, you know, I know I was 
you know, a couple days of playtime into that game, and I want to go back and do what you're doing, I could play it. I think I'm just going to have to start from the beginning because the things you're talking about right now, like I feel all sorts of merit in those statements. If you're not like, too far into an RPG, I've done this with single player RPGs where I'll play a while and then get burned out and then and then leave for a couple months or a year and then I'll try to come back and I'm like, what the hell is going on? Yeah, I, I I totally think I need to. And and I will have all of those because as you were saying those words, we were like, he's with another Witcher and he's going after Yennefer. I'm like, <laughs> I now I remember those that happened. And I had no idea what was happening and who this Jennifer person was and Siri right. and all the stuff and I had to go online and look at stuff, but now at least know some things that would Okay. I think that's worth it to do. Um, <laughs> so I, what little, uh, what yeah. have you been playing? You brought up video games. Have you no, no, yeah. Cool? yeah. The Witcher's great because I kind of I, – I really do. I Unfortunately, I want to play that in earnest, earnest and um, I just borrowed a game called Control from our buddy Aaron. And, um, I've it's heard of that. What, what is that game like? Oh, um, I, I have a Zelda feeling to it. It's not – it's a first-person shooter-ish type game. Okay. But, but with – Okay, those are uh, two this... very different first-person shooter <laughs> Zelda. Well, Zelda in that there's like a map, and that you can go from place to place on the map, and you can't get. Yeah. Uh, okay. okay, so Zelda has <laughs> Zelda. I always. I've I... never played a game with a map. Can you elaborate on? <laughs> okay, my favorite Zelda games are the ones where you have you can see like the whole world map, and you're like, "Ooh, I want to go to that cool place over there," but you can't because the boulders in the way. But if oh, you, you can't chapter, get there un- until you get the zip line arrows. Yes, yes, got it, exactly. Got it. So this game has a lot of that. Like, oh, I can I can see that I can go over there. I don't know what's over there, but I could get over there type things and then now i've unlocked the 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 push boulder move you know like oh that's cool and it's awesome because it's amazing so it it has it has a lot of that um the 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 game's deep so i won't even go into it but it starts you right off the back that you walk into this place called the federal bureau of control it's this huge ominous building in new york city and what's the uh, setting is it dystopian no, it's it's modern times. Oh, modern times. I see. Yeah, yeah. and and it's it's so the, the weird thing about this is like that Spider-Man. it doesn't give you it doesn't give you any background really, except that you just girl walks into this building that seemingly is abandoned, and there's some creepy things going on. So at first thing I thought it was a horror kind of type game, sure, which it kind of is. But the setup is that uh, there is a place in New York City, and it's called and it's just an area of the world where strong uh, convergences of different realities happen. Okay. Think of it like ley lines happen or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and there are breaches in the fabric of reality between different realities and universes. I um, think I saw this in a Bill Murray movie from the 80s. Kind of, right? Yeah, it's got a bit of a premise there. And there has been a um, government bureau centered around that, and they, it, it's taken over this building called the old The Oldest House, and it's a big skyscraper now, and it kind of changes on its own over time. Are they? Is it? Is it mostly comprised of men wearing black suits with sunglasses? No, n- not at all. But uh, okay. I, I see where you're going with that. Um, so, and I'm not terribly far into the game, but the idea is that obviously, when you went in there, things something had gone wrong, and you're and you are the the chosen one or whatever it is it can come sure. in and can now at the very beginning you pick up a gun. And the gun is basically Excalibur, but now it changes into like a gun. Okay. Um, okay. So, so it's a first-person shooter, 
Right. So you have a gun, mm-hmm. and you can. It's got many RPG elements where you can upgrade the gun and right. put mods into the gun, and then you get different guns that you can make and uh, powers and abilities like the Zelda type stuff. Um, so you're you're going through and solving the mystery of what went wrong here and um, fighting the the other. There's an other world. I think of like Poltergeist. You ever watched that movie where the, mm-hmm. the ghosts are coming through? So it's kind of like that. And you're, you're going through and sealing the breaches and stopping the evil side from coming in. So anyway, that was a long to save for control, but it's pretty fun. And it's that I really like those Zelda esque kind of type things. I like every once in a while I fight a boss, I get a new ability that makes me cooler and better. Sure. Right. I, I really, and not just like sometimes you, you fight a boss and you get a new shoulder pauldron that gives you plus two to attack. Right. I mean, made out of Beskar. Right. It's not something stupid and small. It's actually like, hey, this really changes the game. Sure. Which which games like that, you realize that there can only be so far you can go before you're a super god character and then you're just killing everything. Yeah. So so I feel that's going to end it. I'm, I'm, it'll have a good clear ending and I'm excited about that one. Another one I started playing and I really hit last weekend was the um, the Mor- Elder Scrolls game, the Morrowind game. I went back to start playing that MMO on the PlayStation. ESO? Yeah, I did. Okay. I, I, it's so stupid because I, I forgot. I haven't played it in like a year <laughs> or two. Um, I bought their – had on sale their uh, pre-order or whatever it was. Their, their, their premium subscription. Oh. No, I, I, they had the, the newest expansion. It's Got called it. something. I can't remember what it was. Elsewhere. Um, and I thought, hey, it's like $15. I'll, I'll buy it. Um, no big deal. I, I can get in, into that. Um, and then I realized that I had bought the previous expansion and didn't finish it. So like the storyline – Mm-hmm. So I spent the entire weekend and finished Morrowind expansion. But the the real stupid thing I did was that that I really forgot was that if you subscribe to ESO, you get unlocked all of the content. Mm. Like you have, so you don't have to on. buy the expansion. Yeah, now granted, when you stop being a subscriber, you can't get access to that stuff anymore. I see. Um, but but uh, so if you like, I bought elsewhere in Morrowind. I can play it without a subscription. But the real stupid part is that when you don't have a subscription, you don't get access to the, what's called the crafting bag. And it's okay. all – think of WoW and all, all of the mats. All your crafting materials, yeah. Yeah, all and, and it has a bag where there's hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of crafting crafting materials that are just completely put automatically put into this separate bag that you pull everything out of. But if you don't have the subscription, you have to put it in normal bags and it's – a nightmare. So the game is just not playable without a subscription. Sure. So anyway, I was like, oh, fine, I'll subscribe. And, and I subscribed. That's, that's how they get you. It, it is. So uh, I'm I'm going back between, I'm going to subscribe for a month. I, I beat Morrowind. I'm happy with that. And I'm going to go through elsewhere and, and beat that real quick, which is just, you know, single player story parts of it. Um, and, and I'd forgotten that I'd played a credit out of that game because I have several max level characters. Um, <laughs> But anyway, that's been really fun, and I play Control. There's my games. <laughs> nice, nice. All right, well, we've we've rambled on conversation enough here. I think it's right. probably time to get into our weekly challenge. Our 2020 challenge? 2020. You know what? It's 2020 right now, Dennis. It's 2020. We'll be done in December sometime. This year. Okay, yep. so we are our current modern-day 2020 challenge. <laughs> yeah, present day. Uh this week's movie is the 2014 Wes Anderson uh, um, piece, Good old Wes the Anderson. Grand Budapest Hotel. 
Okay, so we're going to be talking about Grand Budapest Hotel, and we're, I, I guess, I guess we're going to spoil the ending, if, if such can be said. I'm going to hit the bell. Well, this is Wes Anderson as Wes Anderson gets, right? Yeah, I, to, to be clear at the outset, um, I've not seen a ton of Wes Anderson's films, um, I've seen, let me look at a list here really quickly. I think that maybe with my sister, I watched Isle of Dogs within the last year or two, and I cannot tell you anything about it except that it was stop motion and there were dogs. Um, <laughs> let's see. I, I've, I maybe he, saw Darjeeling Limited, though I think I'm confusing that with another movie about a train, Pineapple Express. Um, oh, that's that's a totally different. That's totally about different. Pot. Totally yeah. different about about marijuana. Um, I saw Life Aquatic, or Royal Tenenbaums, and it might just be those two. None of these other ones jump out at me. Um, oh, that's Ryder. Let me look at the other list. Th- this, this yeah, this felt- is about the same. I so Life Aquatic came out in '04, and I graduated college in '04, maybe '03, and so my last semester of college is when I took film appreciation. So I was at my peak of like watching films with a different eye, like paying okay. attention to things, themes and color and, and framing and rule of thirds and all of that kind of stuff. And so it was after all of that where I watched life aquatic and I said, nobody really likes this. There, there are a lot of people saying they like this because they want to impress their friends or they think that they're supposed to. I'm like, this is not good. It's just weird nonsense. Man, I feel a lot about a lot of those shows that you listed off. I mean, I I, and I haven't even seen them, but I just looking at them, I'm like, this is, this is why I don't want to watch these shows because they just don't look good, right, or entertaining. Yeah, whether enter- they were or not, that's that's me being super judgmental. Enter- entertaining, good. I can say that in the in the same way that we watched um, a No Country for Old Men. Yes, uh, we yes. we watched this movie, and I watched this with my sister Sarah. She had not seen it, but she's seen his other movies, and fairly often when there would be profanity or random gratuitous nudity, she would say he doesn't usually have that kind of stuff in his movies. And I don't know enough to say one way or the other. So that, that sort of put her off a little bit. She's not, you know, that stuff doesn't bother her. She just will notice it more readily than I will. Um, But so I got this sense of like, it's very Wes Anderson, like the framing. There are a lot of these like wide static shots where the characters are moving. Um, I'm reminded of, uh, I want to say, Terry Gillum's um, animation in uh, Monty Python. Okay. Right? That kind of thing where, like, you're here and there's stuff happening and it looks stop motion, even though there are real players in there, the stuff with the cable cars and all of that. Um, But then there would be, like, random senseless violence. And I'm like, is this Wes Anderson trying to do a little bit of Tarantino? Uh, here, right. like I, I'm, I'm not quite sure uh, what I'm, what I'm looking for, what I'm supposed to be, and the other thing I'll say just to get my blob of word uh, summary out at the at the start here. I watched this right after dinner, okay, last night, which 
I've decided is maybe one of the worst times for me to watch a movie because <laughs> you're this movie, tired and yeah, down, this movie yeah. is only an hour and a half long and I still got to like partway through the second act and I'm like, I'm, you know, 40, 40, 50 minutes into it. And I'm like, uh, what is, what is happening? Why are they, <laughs> and now he's there and they're breaking because it's so, it's so Wes Anderson. It's so like, cute it, it is very cute it's it's uh I, I i will say that for my bit is that i watched it um i had a busy weekend with you know doing playing games on friday and then saturday i had my girlfriend had you seen this before stuff. no i had not seen this before okay i hadn't either uh, so we, and i had my girlfriend over and we did our family christmas type stuff and it was a big stuff and we had a night it was you know all night long in the day we had morning stuff and then they all went home and i had done some house cleaning and I sat down. I'm like, okay, now I'm done. And the rest of my day is just for me to unwind, relax. And the house is clean. And I sit down and and watch this movie. Right. So that was the mindset that I sat down with a a very kind of peaceful, everything is done type feeling. And I think that intentional got it. Okay. Yeah. and, And I think that helped me enjoy it much more. I, I I did enjoy this movie. I I and I can't say that I would have maybe otherwise, but I I felt that uh, for some reason I was I w- every scene I was watching, every scene I was following along perfectly. I had enough nights rest the night before. I had taken a nap during the day. <laughs> I mean, so so I had just kind of was able to follow along and with every little quip, every little thing, and I was in a mood to, as they say, water off a duck's back. I was ready to just go and go and not worry and not care and there's like a boy with an apple and a painting and they take it off and there's women who are nude and I don't care and we're on to the next thing and yep. and, and I was able to take that in stride and because I was I think I enjoyed the movie a lot more sure. than I would have otherwise um, yeah it's it's definitely the kind of thing like there are a handful of things that we've said this about and I can't think of any now off the top of my head but a thing you have to be in the right frame of mind for oh i agree yeah i agree we um, should come up with like, some kind of phrase for that because there's a couple things that you know that yeah it's more. it's this kind of um uh i, I kind of want to read a quote but i won't right now but um in one of matt colville's episodes he he sort of bastardizes a uh saint thomas aquinas quote to say um to make a statement about art and I use the term art very, very generally, but you know, in his case, he's talking about the the balance between the player and the GM, the DM, and how how much of how experiencing art is equal parts the artist and the viewer, and the viewer brings something; they see things that the artist never painted, and they're not going to see things that the artist did paint, um, yeah. and that experience that that viewing form of art is just as valid it's not up to the artist to say no you you viewed that wrong yeah Um, and so that's a thing where i think as a movie i just got done saying that i use the term art very broadly but if you separate art movies from pure entertainment movies um, as a movie gets closer to 
some form of art with a capital A, I guess, um, then that, that process, that, um, that state of the viewer, uh, becomes more important. Um, sure. You know, all the way down to like how, how distracted can you be and still enjoy this? Whatever it is. That's a that's a really good statement with this because you could be very distracted by all of the things that Wes Anderson does. You know, there's there's a lot of the art that you're talking about, the, the artistic type stuff that can get in the way of... I mean, it's important because then the story is silly by itself. Um, yeah, I mean, you're not going to get... You're not going to get this movie if you're just listening to it, right? If you're yeah. like... If you've got this movie on and you're, I don't know, sorting a a big pile of photos or cards or something, you're missing out on half of it because, you know, half the artistry is in this weird cinematography. And and the weird dialogue, too, I think, because I, I think the movie I mean, is, yeah. is best, best summed up in a scene when the main character, uh, Gustav H., right, that's his name? He, mm-hmm. is, am I saying that right? Yeah, and he he gets out. He breaks out of prison out of this big scene, and the whole stuff happens. And he breaks out of prison, and he gets up out of there. And his three uh, thug guys are taken off, and they're like, a, "We have to leave right now," type thing. And it's a rush, <laughs> and and they take off, and they're doing a whole bunch of stuff. And while he sits and talks to the to the to the boy, yep, um, and he talks to him for a good five to ten minutes about. The, the perfume spray and, you the know. The things he, he didn't bring that he expected him to bring. Right. And then how he gets yeah. upset with him and he calls him names. And then he, all of a sudden, the, the boy says a very serious thing about where he came from. He's not just an immigrant. And then the, the you know, Gustav apologizes profusely and prostrates himself to the boy. And then they come together. All this while when, like, they should be, like, escaping. Right, right? away. Yeah. And and it's not so, and that's very much how this movie is. It's going on with, you know, intentional dialogue and character things that aren't plot per se, but they're kind of things that these people would say. These strange, odd people would do, and it, it's okay. It doesn't matter because it's artsy, <laughs> right. right? Right. I mean, um, it's and my reaction to this sounds somewhat negative, and I. I'm accepting a lot of the blame for that myself because I've said on the show many times, I mean, my one of my all-time favorite book series, though it's not finished, so take that for what it's worth, is The Kingkiller Chronicles. Mm-hmm. Um, a story about stories, right? Yeah. Like, the book is told in a frame, and that's not unusual. Like, there are plenty of stories that do that. They open with a storyteller. That's how the animated... Uh, Lord of the Rings is told like they're all chilling out in in the Shire telling the story of the Lord of the Rings after it's all happened. Um, This movie does that in two levels, right? You're introduced to the author and he says, you know, the the stories we, we have some part of the stories, but mostly the stories come to us and then they cut into this frame and it's in the in the Grand Budapest Hotel like in not present day but it was 1968 right i th- i want to say it was the 80s no i think it's 1968 i'm pretty sure okay but it's yeah. still like well after like the the hotel's falling apart 
Yeah, it's the ma- it's after the main part of the actual story. Like all of the glory days of the hotel were before World War Two, and um, and that's all gone. Like it all looks gaudy and run down and and all of that now. And then he meets the guy um, F. Murray Abraham uh, Mustafa Zero Zero Mustafa, and um, and then he starts telling him the story that takes place between the two wars. So you're like frame inside a frame. And then sometimes they're telling stories within that. And I'm like, why, yeah, why that, is it, that, why that is it a the, level within a level? Like, that's the, that's the artsy part of it type thing. It's like, okay, that's, that's an interesting thing, but it just feels wholly unnecessary to, mm-hmm. to do. You could just start off with the, the guy listening to the story from the, the Grand Budapest Hotel, but they have to do this little thing, which again, I'm not necessarily knocking that. It's just sometimes confusing using to what is happening so when i'm done watching the show i'm not entirely certain what the show was about and i think that's a lot of wes anderson's stuff is that you you are getting confused about is he trying to tell us something or is he just making a picture it's yeah it's like it's just this thing and and these things happened and like there's a there's a sort of mystery at the outset like this guy zero mustafa owns the hotel but he never bought it let me tell you the story of how it came and so as it's going it it doesn't take until like they go to the to the house where the old woman has died and i'm like i'll bet somehow through this inheritance uh um gustav ends up owning the hotel and then he has the scene with zero in the train where he you know he says we're gonna sell the painting and we'll do this and this and i don't have much but when Mm -hmm. when when i die first which i almost certainly will you can have whatever's mine and so he ends up inheriting it and i'm like yeah right. yeah that's pretty pretty well foreshadowed from uh from pretty early on right. in the story that that actually by the way is was my favorite scene of the whole the whole movie but the um <laughs> th- that that's it's funny i it just reminded me of the step brothers where he's like he, in that one scene he's like do we just become best friends? Yup. And I'm like, that's just what happened here. He's like, let's let's make a pact right here, right now, and we're gonna be bound for life, and let's just do this thing. I'm like, what? You know? But the, it, I can nowhere. I can see I can see the sense where that is. It's like some some movies and and TV shows are told like life, right? Yeah. They're they're portrayed in like the TV show Fargo or things like that where you're here are the things that happened. Some of them don't make any sense because they're just events that happen. It's just as I as I call it a chronicle. Yeah. And then there are stories that are that are stories. They're a thing either remembered or crafted by an individual. Um yeah. there's a you know, there's a world of difference between remembered and crafted. This one is, and and so I think maybe that's what Wes Anderson is trying to do here. Like the overall story from the author we see at the beginning is to a certain extent crafted, but then Zero's story in between is one recalled, right? It's yeah, one remembered. Sure. And so in, in a person's memory, like, yes, there are a lot of details and, and things that lead you to a place, but you probably remember a single like uh inciting incident or or something yeah where you is is your focal point of like here's where this this change and this happened and so i can see where that um you know i'm 
I'm kind of hard on this movie, but I I probably liked it more than I think I did. Well, the the I will say obviously it's an easy an easier thing for me to like because as much as we're if you've been hanging with us this far and we haven't really talked a lot about the plot or anything, it actually does have a plot and it does have a story and it does have a kind of a happy ending. I mean, you you see the whole. I mean, arguably happy ending. It, <laughs> it, it you know you, you're you're following through. The, this lifetime of this these very interesting characters and especially you know gustav h who's a very interesting character right off the bat and he's interesting through his whole life and you know zero's kind of interesting i i had a hard time getting past the fact that he was flashed from the the new spider-man movies which was driving me crazy um oh that that kid was the same he one. was he was one of the few we could we could talk for a minute about all the freaking people in this movie. Yeah, there's so many people that, that just like, have like three lines like I, and then that's I open it. up IMDb to try to figure out who people are because um, the guy playing the older Zero, F. Murray Abraham, who did we think he was? I don't remember now, but he looks, he looks kind of like somebody and we're like, is that this guy? And well, like, same with the, the, the key, the, order of the cross keys like the, all the people in there was like i think i know that guy i know it's that one's bill murray and then yeah it's you know, bill murray and who's that yeah. guy i know that guy you know or um, you know the one guy is uh is jason schwartzman who i'm I, I kind of think of as like the poor man's adrian brody and then later in the movie adrian brody shows up and i'm like okay yeah. what what and then um of course edward norton edward right? norton was the worst in this like it's he, he, he reminds fit at all, and I, it feels intentional. It's a little bit like um, like George Clooney in Oh Brother Where Art Thou, right? Yeah. Where like he's here and he's doing this Wes Anderson thing, but he's not like he's talking, and I'm like, well, he's a Nazi, but he doesn't have an any kind of accent. Like he's just talking in his normal Edward Norton voice. Like, yeah, uh, exactly. You know, yeah, and- I, I, at one point, I, I think to Sarah, because she watched Fight Club with me, and I'm like, uh, I am Jack's mustache. <laughs> That's right, yeah. It's it, He just felt really, especially because we came out of Fight Club, really weird in that role. Did not, right. I mean, I liked his character, but did not like him. He just felt like some high school guy that got put in there and was really And then you're, you're like in the last 10, 15 minutes of the movie, and Owen Wilson shows up. And I'm like, <laughs> Owen, Owen Wilson's in this one his part at the- Chuck. At the end- yeah, Monsieur Chuck. Monsieur Chuck. Um, <laughs> how did you with like a plain American accent? You're like, yeah, plain, plain, plain American accent. How did you like Jeff Goldblum? Uh, he wasn't Jeff Goldblum. I mean, Jeff Goldblum. Yeah, he was. He was not. Time, he was a, not Goldblooming yeah. to the extent that we see him in nowadays. Other he's just full on how he is. But he's owning well, that. Yeah. Well, so like going back, I, like I said, the story was interesting because it's interesting characters doing interesting things, and they sure. have a they have a purpose. Like he dates these women for a purpose and kind of a reason and a thing, and it this is what he's doing and who he is, um, and zero the same way he's got very good motivations for why he does it. He talks, you know, long, we come to like Agatha. You always worry that Agatha's going to die because you know the way he talks about her, and then she does die, but not kind of off screen type thing at the end. Yeah, after the um... kind of happy ending, and, and you're like, okay. So that's that's this the story and that's what I I couldn't have expected more. He's an old guy that's alone in his in his place. That's where it's got to end up, right? Right. Um, so so 
I was satisfied with the story and how it ended up, and I'm fine with. And what he rushed through the ending because, like, okay, the story's over. Now let's tie up the loose endings. And I'm like, okay, that's that was it, and it's over. Right, uh, which like, again is kind of the way that that people tell stories. Yeah, so it's just, and that's I, how I it can, ended. I can know? sort of see that. It's probably one of the first things that Sears Sharonin has done. Maybe not. She did stuff before that. Oh right, right. Okay, she's maybe. very pretty. She's a very pretty, pretty girl. Maybe um, a, a she's got a break. The, the, she did the thing of Mexico um, on her face, which is funny. Uh, what's that, Ladybird? Uh, oh yeah, right. Yeah. Last year, which I I didn't get to see, but I heard really good things about. Yeah. Well, the the uh, the, the thing I read because I watched some of the um, extras for this because um, mm-hmm. I, I was kind of interested in because clearly it was a you could not miss the director in this movie. Like, no, that's it's, I, it's a director I, at every step, right? I learned in the I learned in the last week when people use the word auteur, which yeah. is a super pretentious word. It's just um, a a word for a director whose style and voice is very apparent in their work. Very so. Apparent. Ob- I mean, Wes Anderson is probably one of the biggest examples of this, but uh, yeah, Tarantino you, yeah, the same right. way. Um, Christopher Nolan to maybe a lesser extent. Um, I think Tarantino really... and Wes Anderson are the, the two biggest ones that I've seen. I've seen a good amount of movies. I think those two stand out as that in, description. In in present day, yeah, if you're excluding, oh, sure. you know, the former, you know, like uh, uh, Hitchcock, Hitchcock and, and yeah. some of those. Well, the, the, so, so this, so he, yeah, I had that. So I decided to watch some of the extras. And uh, sure. one of the things about, like you mentioned all the people that are in this, all the people that were in this, when they interview them are like, I'm an actor. This guy has quite a different vision of what he's doing and what it is. It seems like everyone loves working with him. Like he's a mm-hmm. super nice guy, like super nice. Yeah. He, he comes, he comes to the set and he's like, there's not a question about like, should we try this or should we do that? He's like, we're going to do this neat thing. And I want this shot here and this camera's going to be there. And we're going to do this, this thing. And we take a shot and there it is. And that what a great job you did guys. This is perfect. And I loved it. And then they move on. And he, like he has a clear vision for everything in the whole movie and the actors come on and just have a wonderful time working with him. And, and like everyone wants to be in his movies because not only is he just awesome, it's a different thing that they will ever yeah. be in. Yeah. Right. So that's why I think we get this uh, Hollywood art, uh, art house type thing is because, you know, it's their it's actors being able to enjoy their their business, their craft and their, you know. Yeah. Being able with. to do something really different, which is which is cool. I can, which is I can cool. Right. That. But but as a just a an average moviegoer, that some does definitely shows in in the product. But sure. I don't think you get the full, like, if you were in Hollywood appreciating Wes Anderson type thing in general. So, right. anyway, let's yeah. let's move to our, like, final outros on this stuff. How's that? Okay. Our final thoughts. So, uh, I keep, I've forgotten this for the next, last couple weeks because some of these were no-brainers with Lord of the Rings. Uh, but would you put this movie in your top 100 that if you want to recommend for people to watch a you know, I got Dennis has got a hundred movies, and this is the ones you're going to tell somebody. You got to watch uh, this one because this is a movie like like movies if you've never seen. Um, or oh yeah 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 like you yeah watch these before you die because you know I think this is I would recommend. I mean, again from the from the more academic perspective of you know you should see one of X 
mm. right? The, the, the genre-izing thing that I always do. Um, I mean, I guess if you're going to watch one Wes Anderson movie, this one's probably the most uh, iconic, most most well well liked. I don't. Would I you don't watch? Have any... Would you uh, recommend this over Old Brother? Where art, where art thou? Well, that's uh, that's Coen Brothers. Oh, that's Coen Brothers. Okay, yeah, sorry. It's, but it's, like in the list of other things, like um, you know, Life Aquatic or. Um, None even, of those feel even attractive Isle to of me Dogs. Like I never saw Fantastic Mr. Fox, so I don't know about about that one. And again, you know, I've seen like three out of his, you know, eighteen ish yeah. movies. Um, so I so I don't really know. Uh, it's not eighteen movies. It's probably like a dozen. Yeah. If, I if you watch this, you have shorts. to like you just have to like hold on and go with everything. Just go with yeah. It. Don't, I, so don't I think so I think with about. if you're gonna say. You know, in a list of a hundred movies, if you want to check off the big boxes, like watch at least one Coen Brothers movie, watch at least one Tarantino movie, watch at least one Nolan movie, you should probably watch at least one Wes Anderson movie. And if you're going to pick one, this one seems like a good pick. I'm not qualified to name any others on top of this. Uh, neither neither Life Aquatic nor Royal Tenenbaums were better than this. Um, but... Uh, you know, as I always do, because I want to manage expectations, sort of set the kind of, I don't know about the specifics of, of your situation, but make sure that somebody understands that, like, this is going to be not challenging, but it's something you have to give your full focus to, or you're, yeah, for sure. you're not going to appreciate it. Yeah, I, I think on, on my list, I, I I'm, we're coming to the point now where I'm, I got to need to go back and get perspective on what my list is with the movies we've watched and what Mm. movies i think i want to add or not because i think this could fall at the very end like it could sit in the 95 to 100 or cap over to 105 or something so i'm not sure (laughs) because i i think it was entertaining i did i found because of the mood i was in probably i was i was you know eager to take it through and and i totally accepted every little thing that happened without question or logic or i just kept going um and I that made me enjoy it. So I could still say I did enjoy this movie. Now, I'm betting when I take stock of things that there are on the Michael Daniels list, which is <laughs> nobody says is great of anything. But on my own personal, like I would want you to watch. I'm not sure if this would sit in there. There would be a whole bunch of other movies that would I'd probably knock it off. But I'd like to say I'd like to say that it sits in my 90 to 100 um, list because I did enjoy it and I didn't have a whole lot of negative things to say about it. I'm, I really sit back in this movie and say, you know what? Besides maybe pretension, which I, the way I understand it, he's not pretentious at all. Right. Then it's, I have nothing to complain about. And what else could you ask for about a movie? You know, you enjoyed this. Yeah. Story, I mean, the there's thing. not a, there's not a, there are a couple movies that we've seen on our poster so far that I would recommend this above. Or before, yeah, right. Um, sure. Some oh, of yeah, the, yeah, some really of those have their own sort of substitute, but mm-hmm. um, you know, I, I would recommend this before her. Yeah, or I would agree with that. Before the original Evil Dead. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. So see, you're right. There, th- this this if I'm knocking those off, like, and if even I consider those being a hundred, then this one would be above those. Right. Right. So, yeah. Okay. Uh, I recommend it, 
I'm not sure if I'm going to commit to putting it on my top 100, but it sure as heck could fit up in there when I get when yeah. I get through this list. Yeah, maybe just understanding that Wes Anderson is fairly the the embodiment of an auteur, which we said in the spoiler section is a director whose uh, style, voice, and vision is very apparent in their films, mm-hmm. um, and so this is going to be it is. Uh, unlike anything else unless that has to be appreciated right that that does have to be appreciated that that you can watch a movie and see a person behind the camera that's a hard thing to yeah you know and and in a not in a bad way like this guy's terrible or it's shaking and why is it bothering me you know but (laughs) you know like this is a thing that's happening and clearly somebody some person out there makes this happen so somebody had an artistic vision and they and they brought it to life right right Cool. What, so what do we got next? Uh, what's our next week one? Uh, speaking of um, iconic, established, whatever direct, we've already seen a Kubrick film, so I don't know. What, <laughs> and I feel like Clockwork Orange is on here, too. Probably, yeah. People, um, people love that guy. It is. Well, it's not Clockwork Orange or The Shining. It's 2001 A Space Odyssey. So this, this one's going to be a little rough. I mean, this I'm, is this is it. not a right after dinner uh, uh, watch. This is a, <laughs> no. make sure you're fully awake, or or the Blue Danube is going to put you to sleep. Well, heck, the 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 Alexa on there will start putting you to sleep, right? The because the what's it, Hal nine thousand or something? Hal nine thousand talks with a very monotone kind of soothing voice. You will fall what? right to sleep if you. I can't let you do that, Dave. Exactly. You, I, I think that's what it is. The first time I watched this when I was early 20s or something, I think I fell asleep because it was just kind of so It's like, a, and, yeah, it's like an ASMR kind of. Exactly. And now and now I watched it. I did watch the whole thing in my 30s, and I know that I got through it. And I was like, oh, that took a long time to get through. So <laughs> I'll watch it again, this time hopefully with some different perspective eyes. And uh, I'm Yeah, I know. I watched today. it, and it's been at least 15 years ago. Um, so I might, maybe I'll, I'll do a little bit of, do a little bit of research. Sometimes I say that I'll do that and then I never do, but, um, I'm a little, I'm, you know what, actually I don't want to do, re- that's good that you do. Cause I think you'll be able to bring that to the, to the conversation. I'm not on this one because I kind of want to watch this one and review this one as a, um, try to, I'm try gonna re- to see it fresh. Yeah. And I'm going to recommend it. What I recommend this is, is fun. Is this something that's yeah. interesting? You know? I, I just kind of want to see like. What was going on at the time this came out in 68? So, yeah, because I may end up asking those questions like, why is this a pre like pre Star Wars, pre you know, well, right after or in the middle of um, the original Star Trek series? So, like, I'm sure a big part of its popularity is just the achievement of nobody had made a sci fi movie like this with this level of of visual effects at the time. Right. And, and I'll need to yeah, have we'll that, that question answered of why, because I, I know that the last two times that I have watched it, I did not come to a conclusion of why it's so big. And I, and I want to know if I watch this again, if I don't find that out, you're going to tell me. So <laughs> yeah, that, that question of like, does it hold up? Yeah. Okay. All right. So we'll do that. Cool. I think we got cool. it. We're, we're set. All right. All right. Good, good stuff. You've been listening to the front porch. This is episode 125. Thanks, as always, to our friends at Geek Scholars Movie News and LRM Online. If you like Star Trek role-playing or Star Trek role-playing, you can check out the show we mentioned a couple times tonight. It's uh, Klingons and Dragons. It is a Star Trek Adventures role-playing podcast. It's not safe for work. Don't play it when your kids are around. There's a lot of dumb, gross jokes. If you have 
comments, feedback on the show, you can email us frontporchpod at gmail.com. On our website, frontporchpodcast.com, there are contact forms, comment boxes on every episode, the schedule for the 100 movies, show notes where appropriate. If you enjoy the show, you can subscribe on Spotify, Overcast, Apple Podcasts, wherever podcasts are found. If you find one we're not on, let me know. Thanks always for listening, and until next time, I'm Dennis. And I'm Michael. The front porch. Night, everybody. See you next time.